What's happening with the people? This is your man Tadashi, and you are tuned in to another episode of The Dash, where we want to help people think critically about themselves and the world around them. This is a special episode because I believe I have someone with me who can do just that, who can help us all think a little more critically. Because I, I personally think critical thinking has waned or died off in certain spaces and we need to revive it. And I feel like this is a brother mm. who can help us do just that, to think critically about ourselves, who we are, who we say we are, and then also the world that we exist in, the world around us. How do we think critically about that? And I have the one and only, my man, Adam Thomason with me. Hey, What's up, bro? Come on, man. How you doing? I'm good, bro. I'm good. You, uh, you, uh, you, you got a nice wall behind you. I like that. I, you know, we try to get his sister some shout outs here. You know, I we got Angela, we got Angela Lisa uh, Bonet, you know, we got Fannie Lou Hamer, Mariah Carey. Yeah. You know, we got the Beyonce. Uh, the my Beyonce. wife's in the Beehive. She is in the Beehive. This is true. <laughs> don't forget about, don't forget about my TV wife. Oh, Felicia Rashad. Felicia. <laughs> Felicia. You know, up there. You know, we got Nina Simone. And, yeah. Diane Carroll. Hey, we, we represent out you there. Represent you represent out here, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, bro, tell me, tell me what's up with you. What you've been working on, what you've been doing. You a brother that's always got a lot of coals in the fire. What you've been working on? What you've been working on? <laughs> a lot of coals in the fire. Well, I try to stay working on myself, man. I'm trying to stay healthy out here. That's what uh, I'm talking about. So then as I travel and, you know, so I, I uh, got back from Uganda, Guatemala and uh, Ghana. So working on stories and documentaries there. Um, you know, it was funny in my head. I sound, I felt like I sound like the dude that wants to sound like he has a lot of stuff going on. Because I want to say, man, we about to drop this film premiere. I'm working on this book. You know, you just try to fill up. And I'm really not trying to fill up the plate. But, you know... I mean, it's true of you, but it do come <laughs> off like, yo, check me out. Trust me, yeah. check me out. I'm out here. I'm, I'm, I'm out here. I'm, I'm outside. Here. <laughs> I ain't sitting around like you average cats out here. No, it's not like that, y'all. Um, I am fortunate to be a part of um, stories, you know, doing uh, as a documentarian, filmmaker, storyteller. I try, I try to tell what I think are important stories that need to be heard. Yeah. Um, so one of my recent trips dealt with trying to uncover a lot of still current sex trafficking that's happening. So mm. uh, I do work with uh, one of the largest anti-sex trafficking organizations for our international justice mission. Yeah. So that's what took me overseas. And then, um, yeah, we have a short film premiere that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. That is, um, a lot of people don't know that kids as young as two years old get sexually exploited online. So mm. online sexual exploitation of children. So this one one kid got rescued at two. Wow. And we're, and we're doing a film premiere, uh, Lord willing, December 10th. You know, so that's going to be powerful. Um, and like I said, I'm working on myself. So yeah, I was trying to be healed out in these streets, bro. Come on, bro. Man, you, <laughs> you are, I, I, I can't go by that, bro. What? Exploited <laughs> as young as two? As young as two, man. So oh, uh, help me understand this, man. Like what in the world is happening? What is Yeah, yeah. So the ease the 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 more summarized way is um in places like the Philippines, Cebu, yeah. you know, Thailand. Um, our partners talk about how families can either go into debt 
Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes kids can get hijacked. But a lot of families they have these debts, and they'll get convinced saying, "Hey, I know you need work. Um, you know, just have your child. You know, stand in front of this screen. You know, he, he can make money, and it's to the pleasure of someone on the other other end of the screen. You know, buying that time. You know, so um, good lord, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so." Man, um, and it—I mean—it happens at a at a clip, bro. Like, yeah. you know. So the the one the one <clears throat> film short film that we did tells the story of a boy, boy named Aaron and his rescue. So it really centers around uh, his rescue. Yeah, um, yeah. Man, bro, that's ah, that's heavy, bro. How do yeah, you? Yeah, no, it's heavy. How do you function with that type of awareness of the world and what it really is? Like, how do you live your day-to-day with that on your mind? Uh, now in my, you know, now that I'm 40, uh, there's a there's probably more of a sobriety. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we're, we are fortunate in America to have so much. I have three children, 14, 11, and five. Yeah. And, um... It, it makes me grateful for what we have access to, what they have, but it also makes me um, feel responsible for other children across the world because they these kids and people's existences aren't equal coming into this world. And I, I, I think that's one of my frustrating things with Americans is like, look, you know, they had this mentality like, well, if we can't eradicate it, why try? Yeah. Because the one matters. Like, the this ain't about matters. eradication. It's, like, <laughs> you, it's about you, just helping that one. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? This, this, is, this, is, this is about being a representation that, that the one matters. And I tell people, if you had a kid or, you know, Tadashi had a kid, we, we had kids, I would want that one to matter to you. Yeah. Yeah, and if they and if they pile up to where we were eradicated, so be it. But still, if one is lost, one matters. Bruh, how do you? So how do you help people gain a sense of um, acceptance in what you're saying in yeah. that reality that the one matters? Yeah. So I always try to philosophically get people to understand. Look, ain't nobody flawless with their funds, you know, with their finances, yeah. with what they spend them on. Like we waste, we we waste a lot of food, waste a lot of stuff on pleasure, entertainment you know, buying shoes, things like that. And I yeah. tell you my own say, I like shoes, I like fashion. But when I go global, it it keeps me focused on what actually matters. Like I can change, literally, I could change someone's life and I changed their life with $500. Did I have a, the, the, the margin to spend $500 at a time, at one time on some shoes? Yes. But because I traveled to South Africa and I went to one of the worst slums, Kyalicha, and I met those people yeah. and I saw that they needed a brick maker yeah. to change their community. And I'm not going to spend 500. Like I got to shut that I, off. Yeah, bro. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> You know That's, what I'm saying? So I just, just try to convince people. It's like, I ain't even asking you to spend new money. I'm just saying, if you four went Starbucks, you know, for 10 times, that's $100. Yeah. This literally could change someone's life. Is 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 someone's life not worth 10 cups of coffee? Come uh, on, y'all. Changing <laughs> life. Like, I want you to, I want people to soak up the fact that you said change their, I think we live in a country where we are, you know, blessed or privileged to have 
certain yeah. amenities, not not just needs met, but certain amenities yeah. that have become yeah. normal in our yeah. existence that we may not yeah. even have a a fair or appropriate idea of what it means changing life, like what that really yeah. means. When you say yeah. like they needed a brick maker, I mean, help me yeah. understand that background. Like what was happening? Yeah, yeah. So they had come up, they had came up with this. So it's a slum. If y'all look it up, Kaya Alicia, yeah. I ain't gonna be able to spell it the way it should, <laughs> but try to phonetically spell it. Just say, yeah. just spell out Kaya Alicia, South African. They call them townships, but they're slums. Yeah. Um, so irrigation is a problem, and it's it's just it's a problem. So, but they they this community figured out how to grow vegetables um there mm-hmm. and what did they needed they needed to build a container wall to maximize the gardens oh, as they were yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah they're trying to feed it feed people and you know uh protect the garden so this this is a key centerpiece yeah you know and so um you know they they were like hey man it'll be it'll, it'll be helpful I think I was like hey what do y'all need it'll be helpful if we had a brick maker what's a brick maker Cost and it's you know it's equivalent to five hundred, you know, yeah. American U.S. And in my yeah. head, I'm like, you you can help the thriving of a community with five hundred dollars, or you can buy them, some five hundred dollars. That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Or you can buy some shoes and they just gonna, you know, you may wear them once or twice a week. Yeah, and then they gonna wear know? down eventually and be tossed. Yeah, bro. Yeah, to put it in context for folk, bro. To put it in context for folk. I, at my house, uh, because of the way the land slopes and the water runs off, to protect the foundation of my home, I had to build a retaining wall. And my wall was, it, it it's not even a wall. It's just a this brick stacked up on the ground, up maybe three feet. But it was, yeah. uh, and it's only maybe six, maybe five feet long, three feet high. And that cost me $600. And that was on the low end. I got quoted a thousand, and mm-hmm. I can just imagine the size of the wall they were able to build with five hundred. But I spent yeah. that just I'm, so I don't want people to hear that and think five hundred. What they need five hundred for? I'm like, bro, a tiny retaining wall at my house was six hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. you know, just to consider but, that. But look at look at it. Like so, you talking about the wall? Yeah. I, the brother he said, just buy us the machine. Just, yes. We'll build walls for the rest of our life. Lives. We can I'm just saying. get it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, boom, mic drop, boom. I, <laughs> yeah. I, that's what's up. He's like, I just, <clears throat> cool, bro. And and they and they did. They, I mean, he sent me pictures. I went back over there. I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm, so that's why, I mean, we was teasing before we got on. We was messing with my man Reginald producing the show over here who uh, is, is filming behind the camera. And we like, yo, you got to get out of the country. You got to get out of the country. But I feel like, yeah. I feel like every time I talk to you, and you're able to leave the country and come back, it sobers you in a way like no other. Oh my God. To yeah. not to not be inundated by what we think is normalcy or yes. or or our entitlement here. It's it's interesting. So would you what what would be would you say leaving the country then, like getting people outside of America to see how the rest of the world is, how they live, would be of benefit? Yeah. Um you know, and for those who can't see me, I'm an African American uh, male, um, and I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. So very pro proud black. So I, I've grown grown up around and still, you know, around interact, and very you know, 
poor communities, if you will, or lower yeah. caste, lower class. Yeah. And so the old adage is like, why would I travel over there if I got all these problems back home? Because I would argue seeing the perspective of the world will actually make you more innovative in how to solve your problems back home. Yeah, yeah. And so what a lot of people think, it's just merely going over there to solve problems. That's not why you go. Mm-hmm. You go over there to gain insight. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a colonialist in the sense like I go to fix people's problems. Like, right. I got relationships with people in these places. So the only reason I ask, not is to be heroic, like, hey, what do you need? It's not to be heroic. These are friends of mine, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but in in sharing that space, they help me, right? Mm-hmm. It's very insightful. And so it makes me a better person. Like, if all you know is your block in your neighborhood, then all you're going to know is the same problems and all you're going to know is the same solutions that yep. may not fix those problems. That's real, bro. That's so real. You know what I'm saying? So I, th- I think it's a it's a healthy investment. I'll put it like this. If you're a God-fearing person, if you believe God, if the image of God is on every person, despite what they believe, which I believe it is, Genesis 1, yeah. then that's roughly 8 billion image bearers that you can learn from to get a fullness of God to Saul said decision. Yes. So for me, traveling is the more I travel, the more I get an understanding of who God is and how he has fleshed himself out through people, cultures, and in regions versus just one. So. You just gave me a reason to convince my wife to go to Japan now. Because I, I was bro, wondering, for real. I was wondering how I was going to get her to spend the money, but now we're going, bro. <laughs> but no, that's to your point. It's that's so real to think yeah. that there are image bearers across the world who cannot, who who aren't waiting for you to come rescue them, but they're what you're they're you're in need of what they have when it comes to what God has placed in them. Yeah, it's powerful, bro. So. Yeah. Well, man, I'm, I I want people to know, like, you're not just some random fly-by-night dude. <laughs> like, you, you're just not on here because I'm like, oh, I need a guest. Like, I mean, you are, you know, educated. You've ran businesses, started your own companies. You run mm-hmm. a nonprofit. Like, give people, you mentioned you were from Detroit. Give people yeah. a little rundown real quick of your of your uh, your uh, sheet, bro, and just give them the resume. <laughs> um, the resume, you know, the biggest thing that 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 I think I would want to inspire people with is, you know, so family of three. I'm the youngest of three. Mm-hmm. Um, parents divorced when I was 12. Mom was severely wounded, uh, shot five times. Six months later, dad mm-hmm. left the home. Um, and so at the height, my mom made $32,000. That was, that was the height. You yeah. know, that was the most money she ever made. So I, I grew up government assistance, poverty, hand-me-down clothes, shoes, sizes too big, holes in them, yeah, all this stuff. And the Lord has allowed me to see his creation across the world. So I would say that it's not about money and legacy and pedigree. Um I've uh, the Lord gave me the gift of being able to play professional basketball at 20 years old on this team in Palestine. Yeah. And that rocked my world. So as you know, uh one of the people that Tadashi works with, his name is Reginald. Yeah. He's young. As we tell, like, yo, you need to go see the world. Y'all need to see the world because you had a rest of your life to be married, to have kids, to hunker down in a city, in a neighborhood. But that. but that's going to come with just a specific framework. And the more you can see the world is the more you can understand, like, God's approach to how to raise your kids, yeah. God's approach to 
Um, so to say all that, guy, I've been fortunate. Uh, I play basketball overseas at different spots. I've been fortunate to, you know, get various degrees, speak at conferences, justice conferences in South Africa, you know, countries, Sudan, China, Greece. Um, just real fortunate, and I and I would say fortunate because it's God's fortune. Uh, my height, my height was to. Um, you know, stay in Detroit, <laughs> have a baby by this girl named Makila McAllister. Like I was so smitten with her. I was like, oh, I was, I just want to have a baby by her. You know, by this life skin girl. Yeah, this be girl able to cruise in the right kind of car on the you weekends. Know what I'm saying? On the Regal, bro. Regal <laughs> Grand National and work at and work at the Chrysler plant. That's it. That's and God it, said, no. He is like, I got more for you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and honestly, I do believe God has more for people. Um. You know, it doesn't have to be name and likes, but I do believe his heart for us as Im- image bearers is yeah. to see where other image bearers are. I will say that. That's strong. That's strong, bro. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of image bearers, there is this um, there's this thing with you as an image bearer that I want to learn from you on. I, I want mm-hmm. you to to chime in. So I started this season off talking about uh, Christian hip-hop, right? And my take on Christian hip-hop and my vantage point and then getting wisdom from other people on whether or not they agree, disagree, but more so Mm -hmm. working toward a solution or a conversation toward a solution. And I feel like you are one of the perfect people to do this with, bro. So um, my my current stance is I don't believe Christian hip-hop is a genre. Okay. I don't I don't call it a genre. I think it's mm-hmm. hip hop. And yeah. I think it's hip hop and the reason I don't think it's a genre is because I don't believe it exists with the amount of infrastructure necessary to be categorized as its own genre. Uh-huh. In order to That's be a true. genre. Now we know you you know history like me like Genres came to be because people needed to classify certain things for sales and for ticket sales and qualification overall, quantification overall. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. these black people listening to R&B and blues so much, we need to call it something. Rhythm and blues. This is their music. We're going to call it, we're going to give them their own, their own style of music. And that thing just or became- Rhythm and praise. No, rhythm, there it is. All right. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but, but we can get into that too because- these genres came to be, but because yeah. there was such a a desire and following for it, yeah. industry began to cr- be created around them. And yeah. currently, yeah. currently, whether you talk about Christian hip hop, rhythm and praise, whatever it is, in order for that to exist, it has to co-op or be adopted by a genre that already exists, like gospel, like mm-hmm. contemporary Christian music, in order to be a thing. Like, Mm-hmm. You don't find Christian hip hop artists who are a part of Christian hip hop labels who then have Christian hip hop promotions and marketing teams. Yeah. And you don't find Christian hip hop management and, and Christian hip hop yeah. promoters and um, uh, booking ecosystem. agents and venues. There's no about. ecosystem yeah. to mm-hmm. help build the infrastructure. And so, yeah. I mean, as, um, as a, 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 a guy who was a CEO of a record label, mm-hmm. a man who is a creative in your own right, who's been a part mm-hmm. and around Christian hip-hop since before the cross movement days it's like well what do we call this other than hip-hop and if there is to be more then how does that need to look yeah so i I think you bring up some some good points some good conversational points 
I think a lot of people won't have the insight that you have when it comes to, you know, hip hop versus Christian hip hop genre, yeah. not genre. Right. Um, so even on paper, I would, I would say like, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's, it's not a genre. I think in people's minds, it's more simple. Like, Hey, I'm at the library. Where are the books that talk about Christ? <laughs> you know, <laughs> They over there, you they know. Over so there. You got to go dust them off over there. That's it. You're right. So, well, I think it's simpler. People's minds like they're trying to easily. Well, honestly, I think they may be trying to, you know, because it's twofold. Yeah. So one fold is like, man, you just trying to pigeonhole this. Then other is like, man, I'm just trying to help y'all get located by the yeah. people like trying to look for y'all. Because yeah. I think, you know, who 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 wants to go to? Sorry, Walmart. But who wants to go to a place that you go to a place? It's so overwhelming, like. You like, dang! Well, I just want this. I just want that one thing. Yeah, yeah you know, like yeah. versus because to me, Walmart is sometimes like a hamper. I'm just like, yeah. man, y'all got so many things going on. But There's so much you, happening here. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, but but you give me like a Target. It to me is organized, and I know exactly where to go to get where I want. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think in, huh. in connotation, you know huh. what I'm saying? Of That's it, good. More like men's athletic clothes is on aisle nine. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, you know, they they not gonna interweave them with women's clothes. That that's how I see. That's it. how you view it. So so help me then with yeah. it. So here's where here's where my my passion yeah. kind of grew about mm -hmm. this. I looked up one day and I was like, man, I'm about to put out new music. Like I'm I got yeah. this new EP this time around too. Yeah. In the same time frame, Hovey mm -hmm. drops a single. RG yeah. drops an album. 1K yeah. Few drops an album. Lecrae yeah. coming with Church Closed 4. It's like mm -hmm. there's so much happening in this little pond that we exist in yeah. that it almost feels like you have to cannibalize one another in order to get no, name, notoriety, yeah. attention, yeah. accolade, whatever, for yeah. people to know your thing is here. And so it's yeah. like, do I take my book and write it in a way so that it gets slipped over into the world religion section or to the philosophy section too? Yeah. Or do I put yeah. it in the history section too, educational? Mm -hmm. Or does it just exist in the Christian space only? And I'm yeah. like, what do I do with that when I know, well, that's my friend. I want their music to be just as promoted and seen and heard. And at the same time, when the music happens, where where do I go so I can tour, so I can promote, mm -hmm. so I can build? That's a good question. And so it's like, well... I have to either be adopted by gospel or CCM yeah. or or I have to build my own thing. But building your yeah. own thing hasn't been the norm. And, yeah. But but you remember, you remember the Grammys where mm -hmm. I feel like our homeboy won too. And then the gospel gospel group was like, hey, they not gospel. They can't keep coming over here <laughs> winning these Grammys. We got to we got to do something different. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, unless now, now, I would I would I would say you are right. You are correct on that. So the, so my one issue that I've always had when I was running a record label, yeah, um, was that it was twofold. Was that the people who was killing it? You know, and I would say Reach mm -hmm. Collision, yeah. Um, you know, you had other labels as well, killing it, RMG, um, that we didn't, and a lot of people press for it, but that we didn't press hard enough to create our own tour to break new artists. That yeah. still is a problem. Yes. So to your point, we have to be adopted by people who don't understand and aren't really true fans of this music. Mm -hmm. To break our music. Now, that's what I would say, like, 
hip hop and country and stuff like that have done. And you mentioned like the promoters and stuff like that, hard ticket sales. We can yeah. talk about that. Yeah. But they have a subculture that can break new yes. artists. Yes. Right. We don't have it. And, and I honestly, I still think it's a wide open yeah, market. Like, it is. You know, so the social clubs and people like that, indie yes. tribes, like people just need to come together and say, hey, we're going to call this the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And this is for breaking, you know, hip hop acts who have a faith toward Christ. And that could be like, you know, R&B, pop, yada, yeah. yada, you name it yeah. or whatever. But I, I do think. I do think it helps because it's like the Batman signal. You need a logo in the sky to know that something's coming. Yes. And that don't exist right now. It don't, bro. It don't. And honestly, that logo in the sky, the here's the difference. I need I need a Justice League. I don't need a Batman no more. We, yeah. We've ran that race. We've ran where it was like, well, Lecrae's logo is in the sky, and we know that that's a thing, so something's coming. But it's like, wait, there's more of them? Well, yeah. what do we do about them? What are we going to do with them? Well, we only got room for one of them right now, and he the one, so we finna just work mm -hmm. with him. And it's yeah. like, mm, but this, then where do they go? What do, what do these people do? And so, yeah, bro, I, I, would, I just wanted to, I wanted to dialogue with you about this because I know you are— I mean, you're a creative, you're an innovator, you you ran the business, you ran the label, you had, and you do have insight into this world. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, I just got brokenhearted one day when I was like, we all dropping around the same time. And granted, the fans are excited, they're just getting a, a plethora of music, but it's like, mm -hmm. all of us exist in a way to where we got to try to make that known and still go tour or still find a way to support it or promote it. I'm like... I like making music, but if I can't pay my bills, music can't be it no more. But yeah. what does that look like when I, the only way to pay my bills is if so-and-so brings me to their youth group event? And I'm yeah. like, no shade on youth groups, but I'm like, I, I, did a song, I did an album called Below Paradise about the loss of my son, and you got me on stage in front of 12-year-olds with beach balls as <laughs> I right. rap this music. And I'm like, yeah. where's our ecosystem? Mm -hmm. Or like Winter hey. Jam. Winter Jam was cool, but I'm like... I'm on stage and every night I got to convince them that I'm worthy, to, yeah. that my music is good enough. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I need something else sometimes. Yeah, but, you know, if, if I could just speak straight, man. Yeah. You got to have a certain selflessness, vision, and sacrifice to build an ecosystem. Say that. That I have yet. And, the, and you know these people are my friends. Yes. Like you and my friend, Lecrae. Yes. You know, Thizzle, Jason. Yeah. I'm talking about the OGs who was killing it. Tri you know, Triple E. Obviously, yeah. we got the RGs and stuff like that. You know, the Derek Miners. All of them. Like, all of them. They was killing it. Swoop yes. at the time. Kristen Gray, yeah. Alex Faye, Drake yes. Murray. We was killing it. You know, success, yes. sales. Yes. But sometimes success can prevent you from partnering up. And that, to me, that's what's happened. Mm, like, people good. didn't want to put their, ah, man, I am getting called by so-and-so, and I am doing these interviews and blah, blah, blah. People didn't want to put that on hold to actually build the ecosystem. Yeah, bro. At some point, you end up cannibalizing one another to become something. And it it, it makes it worse in my mind because... There was no ecosystem for us to exist in 
aside from our own relationships, there was no ecosystem. So you were either trying to get mainstream hip hop love, yeah. gospel music love, CCM mm -hmm. music love, in order to be validated or promoted or seen. Yeah. And when you're well, trying to vie for the attention of a group instead yeah. of seeing yourself as something, then yeah. you're going to knock everybody down to get their attention. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. My, honestly, I asked, I asked this question more, though, and I asked it to you. Yeah. Should cats have run in this overtly Christian message, or should they just have been good rappers who were apprentices of Christ as a disciple in the culture. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you had to do it all over again, it's like, no, I'm just going to be a dope rapper. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to get put on. But when people see me off the stage, they're like, bro, that brother's so generous. Yeah, Man, why are you so generous, bro? I'm a apprentice yeah. of Yeshua. Yeah. That's why. You, you're talking about the, the Bono U2 rap. Like, yes. That's what you're talking about. Like Bono, I read the story about Bono. He was trying to figure out what he was going to do musically. And as a Christian, what do what does he do? And he said he went to Nashville and he met with everybody in Nashville. And then when he got done, he was like, take me as far away from this place as possible. I want nothing to do with it. And I was like, yeah. and and he's literally a legend. A man will die a, le a musical legend. Yeah. And, in all circles. And, and in all, all circles. In all circles. And so... Yeah, there's this part of me that is kind of mindful of the reality that if I could have had the wherewithal and the confidence to recognize that God could be glorified through my use of my gift and not necessarily just the proselytizing through the use of my gift, yeah, then, yeah, you know, that would have been an interesting turn. And at yeah. the same time, I go, man, in this moment now, I still get to be uncle, big brother to people coming up as mm -hmm. I now do music in the mm -hmm. lane of lifestyle. Like, I tell everybody, I'm like, it's hip-hop. I'm a Christian, but this is hip-hop, and I rap mm -hmm. about my lifestyle. Like, from day one, I've been rapping about what I've gone through in life, from we not gonna take it no more on, on yeah. Kingdom People, all the way to yeah. now with, I, I feel I got a song called Man of the Year on the EP this time yeah. around, too, and it's like, I feel like I am continually talking about what my life is, what what, what I'm going through in my life. Mirror yeah. talk. I do a song called Mirror Talk. Uh -huh. Like just talking uh -huh. about my life. But yeah. it, it's I would still... say, I mean, I would say it has shifted from our circle, right? So for the y'all that y'all that don't know, Tadashi, myself, and uh others, like, you know, Lecrae showing them, yeah. we've been walking together like 20 plus years. Yeah. So with the next next statement. You know, and it was a zeal in us all. But yes. when we, you know, when we first came out, it was more of a us versus them. It's like us versus the culture. Yes. You it see was. what I'm saying? It was. And when I when I look at Yeshua, I look at Jesus, he he really wasn't a us versus them. Because if you if you really look at the people, you know, the untouchables of society, be yeah. it the Pharisees. Um, you know, the Pharisees, I'm talking about more like Nicodemus, the yep. tax collectors who are like the pimps of the day, um, Zacchaeus, you know, the woman at the well, lowest caste system, the lepers, we don't want to hang out with them. They smell and, you know, I could get contaminated by touching them hanging out with them. Right. It wasn't the us versus them, but we kind of saw the mainstream culture as contamination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So I'm more asking that question out of that. I was like, dang, dog. Like, and obviously it was it was the subculture that we were under, like the, the reform Bible. Yeah. 
subculture. But when I look back at like how Jesus engaged the culture, um, it wasn't an us versus them, but he was, you know what I'm saying? Like, and and y'all hear me say this. I'm not a dude that believes it. Like, man, you got to get the platform. God does not need our help. So <laughs> I'm not that dude. I'm just it. saying, I'm just saying like people who truly are lost ain't going to find their way by themselves. No, not and at all. And so if you're like, if you're like, hey, it's, it's us, the, the, the people who can see versus the people who can't see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm just like, I'm like, what is that going to do? You yeah, know, like, yeah. Although, um, although so, that TV show C is is dope, though. Bro, that TV show <laughs> C is killing, bro. <laughs> Excuse me. But to bro. your point, man, for real, like there's this, there's this thought where I realized like I started saying and doing because of what was presented to me. I saw yeah. Cross Movement do what they did, and I thought that was the way to do it. That just, it is yeah. what it is. And yeah. I took on what they were doing and saying, only to realize later, like, man, I look up now, and I'm like, I don't want to just do what other people said I should do or right. do what they did because that's what they did, and now that's supposedly my standard. What is yeah. God asking of me? And as I look at Yeshua, I'm like, yo, there was no us versus them. If anything, it was I'm for them. And I think right. back on those days of when it was like us versus the culture. I'm being anti-culture in a sense. It's like... Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like, but you really are just then walling them off from any sort of light that you could show them. Yeah. And I so I say that just says, yeah. so when we wound the block and come back to your original, you know, point yeah. about subgenre, it's all. It's almost like we put ourselves in a subgenre. Mm-hmm. Because... You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you listen to that. The way that we rap, they were like, okay, we get it. Y'all yeah. want to be with us. All right, put the Christian hip-hop over here. Yes. And there, yeah. and there was a time where we were like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then now we're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yo, all I'm saying. That's humbling. You know, so. I ain't gonna lie, that's pretty humbling. <laughs> that's pretty amazing, actually. And there are still people. Shout out to the people who are like, yeah, like that's amazing, man. That's dope. And at the same time, I got love and respect for the people who are like, no, why? Yeah. I mean, it it would be the equivalent. This would be hilarious. It would be equivalent. Like, you and I share love for chips, like different types of chips. Now, if you and I came up with our own type of chips, and we all we kept talking about was, man, we do not make chips like Lay's, bro. We don't put this in there. It don't taste like that. It's way better than Lay's. It's like, okay, we get it. What, what, what? Okay, so we'll put you over here. You're like, yeah, that's right. That's right. We we not like Lay's. (laughs) (laughs) And then you sitting in the store like, oh man. Everybody buying yeah, lace. Exactly. And you're, like, buying lace. and you're like, why we ain't buy the why we ain't buy the other chips by <laughs> lace? Like, bro, because you talk so bad about them. Right. Hey, like <laughs> Yeah. There is this you know I, I, that, that's a great point, bro. Cause there is this place where <laughs> it feels like it can feel like double speech. Like, oh man, well, you just yeah. you you want to be separate, but you want to be with them. And I'm like, yeah. that is to me, that is a very juvenile way to to think of it. When in reality, right. it's more of what I have. I believe I put a lampshade on it by trying to make it categorized in a subgenre of its own. Yeah, that was the yeah. lampshade that yeah. I threw over it, and I called yeah. that lampshade distinction. When really, I'm just not shining as bright in the places I should be. Right. Yeah. It's it's coming to the conclusion that no, we actually want everyone to access our stuff. Yeah. 
not just the people who are in the us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when people's like, oh, I I know y'all y'all made chips for us too, or it, it's like, yeah, we do. Yeah. Well, I couldn't tell initially. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, nah, that's uh, real. So yeah. so thinking I this is I love this because we I'm telling you, bro, that's what I I want people to begin to think critically about stuff. Not not just yeah. not just for the sake of saying you're right, <laughs> but so yeah. that we can learn, we can listen, we can grow, man. And I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that, bro. Like, so yeah. I want to I want to tra- tra- like transition, shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you sure. you went through something personally recently in your own life mm-hmm. and family um, here in the city, and uh, yeah. dealing with your kids specifically. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's such an important thing to talk about. Uh, one to give you a stage and platform to do that, but also yeah. but mm-hmm. also just because I feel like we. There are people who are going to be listening who need to think critically about this type of stuff, especially yeah. if they claim the name of Yeshua. I'm like, you, you, if you're a Christ follower, this is something you need to be thinking about more intent- more intentionally. So yeah. can you please enlighten us, bro? Yeah, so um, we were fortunate um, to have homeschooled our kids for 14 years. Yeah. Our oldest is 14 years, years old. And... And yes, we were putting her in front of my baby Karee since she could sit up. So <laughs> months. <laughs> months. So bro. yeah, we start homeschool early, like yeah. 414. Um so fast forward, my oldest and my wife is like, look, you know, I think it's time to just, you know, lead a home. And the relationship dynamic goes from discipleship in the home yeah. to discipleship out in the world. And so we were looking for places and we chose a school for our daughter. And then we chose another school for our other two kids. Now, again, if you know me, I am very proud black, black history, yep. you know, natural hair, all these things. But I'm also Christ is the authority over my life, the word of God, Holy Spirit and things like that. Yeah. And so this the school for my kids Self-admittedly, so this school would say this, the school for my two youngest uh, kids, my son and my youngest daughter, they admitted they were very white, upper-class white in their expressions uh, and how they approach the scriptures, they approach history, um, in their dress, speech, all this thing. It's just a very upper-class white expression of humanity. And for me, I wrestle with that because I do not want my kids to assimilate. I do not want them to feel like they got to bleach their skin, straighten their hair to matriculate in life. But I say, you know what, Lord? If they are going to focus on Christ alone, yeah. right, the school said they want to focus on Christ alone, I will I will wrestle with my preferences as we walk towards Christ. Yeah. Um, to serve my kids in a certain way. Um, and so... We made that decision and first day of school, they are do they, you know, you drop the kids off, you do the devotional and they start to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And anybody that knows me, and if you listen to, I'm a words person. Yeah. <laughs> so if you talk, if you had a, if you had a, this ain't about a public school. Yeah. If you are at a Christian school and you're talking about pledging allegiance to anything but God himself, I got a problem with that yeah. because allegiance is you're pledging your full life and who you are to the death of you to see that thing flourish. And so, no, I don't believe we should pledge allegiance 
to the flag. Yeah. We could pledge to God. We could pledge to be great neighbors. We could pledge to bless the country. But leave the word allegiance out of that. Yeah. You know, you could even make a vow. <laughs> I vow to bless my country, bless God, bless each other. Right. Do not put that word allegiance in there. You can't have two masters. The word allegiance is for that you are my master. Yeah. So, I, so I'm just like, nah, we're not doing allegiance. So I write a note to them, um, email, send it around to friends. Says like, man, it's a good email. And even there, I even rewrote the pledge to make it Christ-centered, and I took out the word allegiance. So I wasn't saying don't do the pledge. I'm just saying, one, if you're going to do the pledge at a Christian school, which you shouldn't, I would argue you shouldn't. But if you're going to do it, make it a choice of the student and the parents. Right. And I go, well, we need to come into 2022 anyway. Let's just rewrite it. And for all those who don't know the history, the pledge has been rewritten five times on this same argument. Yeah. Right. So um, if y'all gonna if y'all gonna make comments about this, I got the receipts. Right. Y'all got to do y'all homework. <laughs> right. Uh, so this was a solution. So you to know, love them, you gave them a solution of rewriting. I gave them a solution. Yeah. And I mm. go, look, my preference was to cut it out, period. But I, right. I'm saying to meet in the middle and to build a bridge, like one of the things that IJM, International Justice Mission, they say, don't just talk about um, what you wrestle with. Build a bridge, come up with a solution. Mm. So I built a bridge and I came up with a solution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so they wrote back and said, hey, we appreciate the email. You're right. It should be the choice of the, the student and the parents. So right now, it's not going to be mandatory. You can do it in the classroom. Fast forward. Um, my my son doesn't take the pledge, and and they end up saying he was being a disservice in class, mm. right? Which really okay. is his freedom of speech. But they're saying he was being a disservice in class. But it comes to find out there's another white kid who there's a white kid who. Um, he looks up to my son yep. and he started sitting down during the pledge. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so okay. Now, now the board's like, oh no, we got problems, yeah. right? Yeah. So they come back and they change what they said initially. So they go back on their word and say like, well, no, nah, we changing it. If you go into the school, you have to take the pledge. And if you can't, if you don't take the pledge, you have to stand and recite the pledge. And if you don't, then you got to go. Now, you got to go as you can't attend this school. You can't attend this school. Jeez. Now, okay. anybody who knows any legalities, they can't do that. Right. Right. Um, because we signed the initial contract and it had no mention of the pledge. Right. It had yeah. no agreement. So legally, they can't do that. So that's one. Two, the problem, though, is when we went to go meet with the board, and there's so many things in there. When we went to go meet with the board, I wanted to talk about this issue. From the scriptures. Yeah. I did not want to talk about it from Adam's point of view, their point of view. I want to talk about it from scriptures. And so I just asked him, help me out. Chapter and verse. Where are y'all getting this understanding for reciting the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag in the United States of America and to the Republic? Um, where are y'all getting this chapter and verse as a key tenant to discipleship mm. for these kids? So not just my kid, all these kids. Yeah. Their first response. Now, we talked about an hour and some change. Their first response within two minutes of the meeting was, we don't have chapter and verse. And it was, it was, it was smug. Like, if y'all, y'all can't see, y'all, some of y'all can't see, they're just shrugging their shoulders. Like, we don't have chapter and verse. We just have our policy. It's our new policy. And I said, excuse me. I said, I said, so at a Christian school, 
You don't want to talk from the scriptures and Christ's authority? No, it's our policy. Wow. I was like, wow. And like in the enemy, I go, wow. <laughs> so at a Christian school, we don't want to humble ourselves under Christ. I mean, we just, this is our policy. We want to talk policy. I go, but your policy should submit itself to Christ and his authority. Nah, we just, we just, this is our policy. So a lot of things I look, so if you don't know me, like I, I'm the guy that I'm going to let, I'm going to let God deal with people yeah. because God's judgment is going to be way, I think it's going to be way more sound, but it's also, it's also going to be way more eternal yeah. than mine. What yeah. Whatever you would do. Yeah. Yeah. So they were nervous that, you know, we could have drafted up a lawsuit. We were nervous that CNN, we had some opportunities to do the CNN interview and just really rolled them under the bus. And I told them in the meeting, I said, look, I don't I don't go on campaigns to crush people because that would violate what I actually believe in the scriptures. But I said, y'all do know this is a classic case of white supremacy and Christian nationalism. And they said, well, why you say that? We're not racist. I go, white supremacy actually has nothing to do with race. I said, you are white and you're holding your voice supreme, yeah. not the word of God, to make a decision. Yeah. And you know, unless God shows up to rebuke you, no one else in, in, in this land has the power to do anything about it. Ooh. No one. I go, you know that. This is what I'm saying in the media. I go, yeah. and you know that. You're so smug at, not even at me, at Christ. Like, I was so nervous for them mm. that you can just so casually throw off like, I don't, I don't need chapter and verse. Be I go, cavalier. Dude, and, be cavalier yeah, toward the scriptures. It's so cavalier. And, and, and Ted, I go, I said to them, I go, then what are you discipling into these kids then? Yeah. I'm like, what is it? What, what then is this school if you can put on the hat of Christ and then take it off and say like, no, this this is what we think. My goodness, bro. We don't know. We actually don't know what God thinks, even if He thinks something. And, <laughs> like, we, and we don't know. And we, we seemingly don't yeah. care. We seemingly and don't we gonna care. keep going forward. And I was just like, yo. And so, really, I was I was crushed because I go. I said, not one time have have I actually said this is what I want. I've I've stood, stand, and hide behind Christ. Now, if you want to talk about what I want, I didn't want to send my kids to a, to an overtly white school in dress and look yep. and aesthetic and celebration. But I put Culture that celebration. Yeah, I put that intention because y'all said say that y'all because y'all said y'all was gonna center on Christ. That's literally what I'm thinking the whole time. I'm like, but the whole thing started because they said they was gonna center on Christ. Yeah. So in my head, I go, then what are we here for? Yeah. I was like, if you're not going, I said, I said, this ain't the school culturally I was in my kitchen. So if we just talk about culture, oh, we out of here. So I was like, y'all not going to sit on Christ and I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting my kids time. Like we could find a better place. And so, so that we was, pulled them. That was my so next. I, I just, yeah. Go so ahead, I just said, le- I was just saying like legally we pulling them and y'all going to give us a refund. I know what the contract says, but if, if you don't want no legal smoke, and no public smoke, you're going to give us all the money back. And yeah. they did, because they knew legally. Because <clears throat> here's the other thing. People say, well, if legally it couldn't do, you should have pulled your kids. I go, true, but my whole point in going there was for Christ-centered. So now I yeah. know you're not being Christ-centered. I don't want my kids here. Right. 
Right. Uh, the predominantly white school that's not Christ-centered, that's supposed to be Christ-centered? Yeah. And here's the last thing. I also said in the meeting, I said, isn't it funny that you're telling my son about Polycarp, who was burned by Rome for his faith in Christ because he wouldn't say the allegiance to Caesar at the time, and yet you're kicking him out. <laughs> yes, bro. Oh, my goodness. I was like, if you talking about irony, dog? I was like, y'all are Rome right now. No response to it. No response. <laughs> Silence, bro. Silence, Ted. Man, well, one, I just wanted to ask, no response. I just wanted to ask how the kids are doing first. I just, I, I mean, how are they in light of having, I mean, this is, bro, moving of any kind is traumatic for people. Yeah. It's a lot on anybody before a child. Like, how was, how are they doing? Um, it was, it was tough for my son. Okay. Um, yeah, he he cried a lot, I and I had to and I had to explain it to him. And he 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 said he understood, and I said you can understand it's still a moat. So yeah. we, we're big on like not stuffing it, and so yeah. he did a good job. He's like, I I do understand. I understand the discipleship piece. I understand why you put us there, and uh, you know, but it's tough because I have friends. And I said that's fine. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. So true. And I said it's and I said it's good. You you are going to experience loss, and when you yeah. stand up for stuff, you're going to experience loss. And you know, he went through the whole should I have said anything or should I have sat down? And I go, yeah, you always sit down. You don't put yourself on hold to assimilate to anything. Yeah. Um, as a person who's trying to follow the Lord, and as a person who was a kid of color and stuff like that. So yeah. Um. You know, a lot of a lot of good teaching moments, but I mean, I lost one of one of my one of my key friends um, at ten, and nobody talked to me about it. Yeah, you know, and I yeah. I just remember to this day, I was like, "Yo, I love that kid." You know, at ten years old, so um, you know, I get what it is to emote, but I'm just glad he has a family where he can emote and talk to it. Yeah, it, bro. bro, no, that's good. That's real good. You. Um... Yeah, I I just remember having a similar experience. I had a friend at nine, one of my best friends, um, nine years old, committed suicide. And um, mm -hmm. nobody talked about him with me. Nobody said anything. They just told me he died. I had to hear how he died at the school later with friends gossiping. But older wow. people just kind of told me he died and that he wasn't going to be back. And this is what happened. And that's it. And I didn't know who to be sad with or how to be sad or if I could be. And so... Yeah, bro, I'm grateful y'all gave him that room to, to to have that and emote and experience that, bro. So so help me, help us understand mm -hmm. the the dangers of a nationalistic approach to the scriptures, to, to our faith. Yeah, so philosophically, I'm all saying like, I'll, I will always say no one gets to determine what respect is. Okay. Right? So... Because someone said, like, well, it's a sign of respect to staying and say it. No, that's mm. your version. That's what you determine. Correct. Respect. Like, just take like, it off your hat when you come inside. Exactly. Just yeah. like Caesar determined, no, it's a sign of respect to call me God. And Martyr's right. like, I'm not calling you God. Right. All right. He's like, all right, well, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you got some people like, man, just call him God and stay alive. <laughs> They're like, nah. Like, he's not God. So, yeah, you don't get to determine what respect is. Yeah. So, because um, that's, that's what it comes back to. Um, and the person with the power tends to always define what respect is. Yes. And you got to be careful of if you have power that you're not defining it for people, that you're trying to define it together with people. And a lot of people don't do that. 